let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Retirement Elevated with Sean Lee. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into another edition of the podcast. It's Retirement Elevated with Sean Lee and myself talking investing, finance, retirement, how to pick an advisor. Maybe some mistakes when looking for an advisor is the topic of the podcast this go around. Sean, we're into November, buddy. How you doing? Doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good. Just gearing up for the holiday season, I guess. Yeah? You uh, ready to not find the things you're looking for according to the normal media we hear? Everything's going to be short and missing and yada, yada, yada? <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm actually, I'm done. Yeah? Oh, you started early? Nice. Well, my wife makes it really easy. Okay. She sends me links of the things that she wants. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I click on those links and I order them. All right. There you go. And then I'll find a couple of other things that, that maybe surprise. she didn't yeah. send me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's not like she's getting everything that she asked for. That's still funny, though. I like that. Nice and simple. Cut out the middleman. Here. Oh, it's a set. Yeah. It's, and that's how I am with her. Like, hey, this is cool. I want well, you this. know. That's great because, I mean, guys, like we all know the adage, right? Guys don't really shop, right? I mean, it's like we, we know we want something. We go to a, you know, a specific store to get it. We head right towards it, find it, get it, and leave, right? Yeah, I'm and not so, a browser. Yeah, me neither. And and this is even more efficient, right? So now it's like, here, just here, this. <laughs> Here's the best price for the thing that I want. Go. And you just have to click a link. You don't even have to leave the house, and it will be sent to you. There you go. Well, make, you made no mistakes there when picking the wife. Then that's fantastic. So, let's uh, let's talk about how we can maybe make or avoid making some mistakes when picking an advisor. Then, shall we? That wasn't the greatest Perfect. of segue, but I thought I'd try it. Uh, let's see. Hey, it's what, all good. Let's it's see what good. we got. Uh, so, understanding how an advisor gets paid. You know what? This is pretty important. Oddly enough, though, Sean, it is something that I've talked to many people that go see advisors and things of that nature, and and they get a little like. I feel uncomfortable asking. I feel awkward. How do I broach this? And other people are very blunt. They're right, the first thing out of their mouth is like, "Hey, how do you get? How do you make money?" Right? But it's it's an it's a fair question. But you do need to understand the type of person you're working with and the type of I guess fee or commission or whatever it is that they're doing. Exactly. And there's this is this is not a question that you should be afraid to ask. Uh, one, and it's not a, a question that an advisor should be afraid to answer. Now, if if the advisor is afraid to answer that question about how they get paid, there's a, there's a problem, right? And so advisors get paid one of three ways or a combination of it. And, and in some aspects, there's the advisor who gets paid based on commissions that are generated. So they sell a product uh, or an investment or whatever it may be, and the company that they're representing pays them a commission. Want to know that? Because it, in the securities world, that means that the level of standard of care falls under the, what's called the suitability standard, mm-hmm. which means that they, they sell a product that has to be suitable for you and they receive compensation for sale of that product. doesn't necessarily have to be the right one or the best product for you. It just has to be suitable. The other side to the table is, is now compensation based on fees. An advisor that follows the fiduciary standard has a moral, ethical, and legal obligation to do what's in your best interest as the individual. They have to build a plan that's unique to you. And their fee structure comes in either on a flat fee perspective where they say, you know what, I'm going to charge you much like an attorney does. I'm going to charge you a flat fee to design and build your plan, but it's your job to implement it. Or they get paid their fee based on a percentage of the assets that they manage. And that's more of an ongoing fee for continual advice, continual relationships. Kind of like a retainer, if you will. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, the old adage, we do better when you do better. You know, Fisher's not the only group out there that follows the fiduciary standard. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Most, most of the people um, do. So it's, I think, again, it's understanding the type of person you're going to see and then just asking the question, feeling okay about it. So that's a mistake often people make is they just don't ask, uh, how do you get paid? Uh, and then letting and then understanding the, the differences and what's going to be the best one for them. And I think some of that times that falls maybe in line with the big name brand. That's my second one here. So years ago, Sean and I used to have a coffee shop chain. I had a couple of them. And we we were voted like you know best tasting coffee in town a couple of years in a row. And then Starbucks finally showed up. And, you know, of course, they've got the big name brand, so they just, you know, they just put a whooping on you. But most of the time, we still actually won best tasting overall because I think people go to the name brand sometimes, even though it's not maybe the the best thing for them, but just because they're more familiar, maybe. Right. Bigger is not always better. right? Right. And, you know, it's. McDonald's is a national brand. It doesn't mean that I I want to go eat at their restaurants. You can get a better burger someplace else. Yeah, I mean it's it's there because it's their their brand is is so large because of their you know their outreach and they can they can really promote that brand and and you know you see it now on TV and there's a lot of you know large institutions that are constantly promoting constantly on the radio or constantly on TV, but it From doesn't a always standpoint. Yeah. 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 But it doesn't always mean that they're better. What that means is that they have a big marketing budget. Right. And so when you look at, you know, finding an advisor, the things that I'd look at, if you're looking at like a local firm like ours, for example, well, what's your process? How do you work with families to make sure that a plan is put in place that's in, in your best interest? And what's the process behind that? And are you getting full and complete planning and not just like, you know, most of the brands that that market are just promoting their investment strategy or whatever it may be. But is there complete planning that goes through all of the five areas of planning to give you a complete picture and a complete outlook on what's happening in your world? And I think the larger you get sometimes to the more number ish you become, like the more lost in the shuffle you can get. Yeah. So if you're looking for that, more personal touch, I suppose, right? A lot of times we we all know that, right? As as far as business goes, you can go to, um, you know, your big hair your big hair salon chain or something like that, and just you know maybe the the actual person that takes care of your cutting your hair or whatever they might know your name, but for the most part, not really, right? Whereas you go to the barber or whatever, they know your name and they ask you know asking you Sean how's your how's your kid doing in baseball and you know all that kind of stuff, right? Exactly. So you get more of that kind of personal feel. So another place we make mistakes, Sean, when picking an advisor is this is on us as the potential client that's coming in. Just like you kind of do with a doctor or something. You go in, you sit down, they start, you know, explaining, like you start explaining some stuff to me, Sean, about, you know, my alpha and this, that, and the other, and how we're going to do this or that with our investments. And I just go, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. It's a bobblehead syndrome. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. a, that's not a good way mm-hmm. to go. You know, ask, I say, Oh, Oh, you know, pause, hit the brakes here. Can you explain that to me? I'm not sure what that is. Right. One thing that you have, as advisors, we have to remember is that nobody cares more about your money than you do. You shouldn't anyway. Right. As the advisor, I don't want to care about somebody else's money more than they do. And what that, that means to me is that, all right, if we're building a plan, you have to own that plan. And part of ownership means that you understand it as well. And if if we start to get into this, kind of go down this road to where things are a little bit muddy, things are a little bit unclear, that's going to cause 
angst and uncertainty. And we want to stay away from that. We want you to be really excited about your plan, but fully understand, okay, if this happens, then how does my plan react? Where am I investing? And how are those investment tools going to accomplish the goals that I've put forward? And then quite honestly, what are the disadvantages to the plan? Is the advantages we know, you know, markets are going to do great, or you're going to get income and guarantees or, you know, whatever it may be. But the disadvantages or the things that can go wrong in the plan are, are what we want to have full understanding on. So we can make an informed decision that I'm comfortable with those potential outcomes in order to get the plan that I need and I want. Yeah. Yeah. And clarification on, you know, one of the reasons, well, I think one of the things that we do as humans is we don't like to admit that we're wrong or we don't know something, right? So we get very kind right. of defensive or whatever, or standoffish even. So nothing wrong with saying, hey, I don't know about this. That's why you turn to the professional, hopefully to begin with, because you just didn't understand it enough to feel confident in doing it yourself. Exactly. So you could, you could, you know, parlay that into anything, right? So uh, as a matter of fact, I'll kind of use that a little bit of analogy going to this next one here is working with, and this is the final one, working with somebody with the wrong speciality. So you know, we talk about it all the time. You could be, there's advisors out there, Sean, who know nothing about down, prolonged downturn markets because they haven't been an advisor long enough. But it could still sound really cool to go, yeah, I've been an advisor for the last 11 years and you've got a long track record. That's fantastic. <laughs> but if you've been an advisor for 10, 11 years, you haven't seen a prolonged downturn because you got into it after the, uh, the housing crisis, right? Right. So there's, you know, there's lots of things. So are you working with somebody who's just about growth? Are you working with somebody who's more about preservation and, you know, or excuse me, distribution? Kind of like going to a proctologist if you actually need a, you know, a, podi- a podiatrist. A little bit of a difference there. <laughs> exactly. And well, and I look at, you know, we talk a lot about baseball and, and there's a reason why the coaching staff of a baseball team has the manager who's kind of the the leader of the clubhouse, the leader of the coaching staff. Then they've got a, a pitching coach. They've got an assistant pitching coach. They've got a hitting coach. They've got an assistant hitting coach. They've got a first base coach, a third base coach, and then a bench coach. So, I mean, there's there's lots of different coaches that are on the, on the staff, but they all don't do the same thing. The first base coach doesn't have the same duties, responsibilities as the hitting coach and probably doesn't stay up as, as much on the other things as he would, because that's not his role, right? right? The pitching coach isn't going to do the same things as the hitting coach. And so when, when you start to look at specialties, all of these coaches, they have different specialties and you know, you go using going, going back to the doctor, right? Like general practitioner is much different than a heart surgeon. And unfortunately what happens in the financial services industry is that there's a lot of, a lot of advisors that will will meet with whoever they can get in front of. So maybe in the morning they're meeting with a 23-year-old, in the afternoon they're meeting with a 38-year-old, in the evening they're they're meeting with a 60-year-old, and there's no specialty, they're a general practitioner, but they can't stay up on each facet or aspect of life when it comes to to planning. It's it's almost I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's really hard. But if you're transitioning into the the most important phase of your life, which is the retirement years where you're not making any more income, where you're you're reliant on your income, I would argue that you probably want to have a specialist in that phase of life and not a general practitioner because the specialist has been there. They've done that. They've seen it. They're not going to get panicked when the market's correct or when things go wrong. Their job is to get you through retirement when the general practitioner may focus on growth, and then they get a little bit antsy when the markets do their thing. 
No, I agree with you. And it's easy to, again, doesn't mean they're necessarily going to do a bad job, right? If they're a general practitioner, they've got a good working knowledge of a lot of the stuff, but they're not necessarily going to be as focused on some of the things. And we talk about it often. If, if you're sitting down with your advisor on the regular and they're really talking only about the investments, if they never bring up Social Security or next to never, they ever bring up you know tax efficiency, you know things of that nature, that's what we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So you got to find all those little pieces uh, that are going to pull that puzzle together because that's what retirement is. It's like a big jigsaw puzzle. So if you got some questions and need some help on how to pull that puzzle together, reach out to Sean and the team at Retirement Elevated. You can find us uh, online at elevatemyretirement.com. That's elevatemyretirement.com. There's tools to and links to all sorts of good stuff there uh, to the team as well as to the podcast where you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, so on and so forth. Or just call 855-50-RETIRE. That's 855-50-RETIRE if you've got some questions and need some help. Sean, thanks for hanging out with me, my friend. I appreciate it. I hope you have yourself a good couple of weeks, and I'll see you just before Thanksgiving, actually. Sounds good, brother. Thanks. Right. We'll see you next time here on Retirement Elevated with Sean Lee, Managing Partner at Elevated Retirement Group. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisors.